Hello all and welcome back to another episode of the Strategic Whimsy Experiment. My name is Jennifer Hahn. And I'm Sarah Callen. And the Strategic Whimsy Experiment is a weekly gathering place filled with conversations about the films that shape our lives. Today we are going to be reviewing the indie film Safety Not Guaranteed. Sarah, do you want to kick us off with an IMDb summary? Yes. Three magazine employees head out on an assignment to interview a guy who placed a classified advertisement seeking a companion for time travel. All right. So I believe this film won one of the screenwriting awards at Sundance when it aired in uh, 2012. So I'm excited to talk about this film with you today. Uh, Let's start off with our our own summaries and true sweet tradition for safety not guaranteed. Yeah, my summary is a simplistic and whimsical time travel caper. Ah, interesting. Okay, so my summary probably will reveal a little bit of my sentiments about this film. And my summary is a Twilight-esque love story, but replace the vampire with a wacky, unstable guy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You know, you're not wrong. <laughs> yeah, I feel very conflicted about this, so we can unpack that. Uh, initial thoughts of Safety Not Guaranteed. So I had watched this, I don't know, a few years ago, and I, I really didn't remember a lot about it. I just, I remembered who starred in it and that it was about time travel and that it was just like a weird movie. Um so, like, going back into it again, um, you know, I was I was a little bit disappointed by it. I thought that it would be, <laughs> like, I remember it being more fun. Um, and it's such, I, I think what I, what I kept thinking while watching it again, I was like, it's just, it's so simple that these characters are almost boring. Um, but you know what? Given the hellscape, uh, that is, you know, this year, this season. Um, I didn't mind that this time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was kind of willing to go, to go with it, and and kind of like lean into the premise. And you know what? If you want to build a, a time travel <laughs> machine, buddy, you can build it. You don't have to give one crap about science. The film doesn't have to try and explain it. I'm just going to go with it because I need something stupid and magical at this point in my life. Yeah, I'm really glad that uh, this film was suggested by you because we need something fun and quirky and and whimsical right about now. I mean, yeah. there's so yeah, much happening in our lives, in our world. And, you know, it's been a while since we've reviewed truly like a lighthearted story and this was this was refreshing i think the last one that we felt was on this level of whimsy was probably uh okja which was just such a delight and oh, yeah. again in that episode we talked so much about how this is exactly what we needed at this moment in our lives so yes this was definitely a, a light-hearted ride yeah took us back to a a simpler time in our lives <laughs> yes so I found uh, the characters, as you mentioned, simple, um, which I think served the purpose of this kind of sweet, indie, rom-com, quirky story. Um, but I think it, it made them less uh, appealing or um, less magnetic for me as a viewer. Um, you know, even Jeff and Arnaud were also pretty stereotypical characters. So I think that um, kind of took away from some of the interesting things that they could have explored. And um, it made it more difficult for me to really invest in those like side storylines. The most interesting character to me was Kenneth. No surprise there. Mm -hmm. Um, And I, I particularly was fascinated by the way that they painted him as kind of this total oddball, you know, kind of strange, kind of uh, potentially weird character. And they slowly changed our 
view on him over the course of the film to be just this really endearing, sweet, tender character. Um, and that's where a lot of the conflict came when I was watching this film is like, I can see how the, especially the relationship between him and Darius began um, kind of just very business and transactional and slowly transformed into this kind of really sweet and tender first friendship and then relationship that they have. Uh, but, you know, in the back of my mind, I'm like, this is, uh, I don't know if I'm here for this. Like, here's mm -hmm. a guy who thinks he can go back in time and also was completely delusional about a prior relationship that he had. And I mean, it's an open question if we can trust Belinda or not, but apparently drove a car into her living room. Like, mm -hmm. um, this is kind of a jacked up romance that's unfolding. And I also think that the reasons for Darius, uh, quote unquote, falling in love with him are also, you know, a little bit, um, I just don't know how pure they are. There's a little bit of like a, oh, we're both kind of broken souls and so we will lean on each other type of thing. So I felt very conflicted because what I'm seeing on screen is making me do the all like, oh, this is really sweet. And they're really finding each other um, and connecting and really seeing each other for who they are. But then also in the back of my head, I'm like, this is this is a little, little funky. Oh, yeah, 100%. <laughs> I... I had actually forgotten that they had that little like romance running through mm -hmm. um, probably because I think it's so problematic as well. Like he like Kenneth, while he is endearing and just kind of like a, a fun guy to spend this hour and a half with um, he's not a great choice as a romantic partner. Mm -hmm. It's very problematic. Um, but I think you know, I, uh, you can't bring logic to these types of movies, but yes. I always do because they <laughs> go from like, I'm pissed at you. And like, they're both angry with each other for lying to the other. And they're both skeptical of each other. And then in the time that it takes for them to run from Kenneth's house to the launch site, then all is forgiven. And like mm -hmm. happily ever after is, is eminent. <laughs> like that doesn't make sense. Like, Again, like in in the plot structure of the film, like they didn't leave enough for like your traditional like you're mad at each other and then they get a little bit of time to resolve that tension. It mm -hmm. goes immediately from we're upset because you lied and then it's fine. We're going to time travel and it'll be OK. Mm -hmm. <laughs> All right. Whatever. But just I think like I was applying so much logic and then it got to that like whimsical time travel moment and I was just like you know what I don't even care anymore <laughs> lean into the whimsy you can time travel this is great I don't care <laughs> yeah you know I feel like the the qualms that I have with this this film are just totally coming from that logical side of like if this were my daughter this is not the man that I would want her to be with and oh, yeah. these are no. the wrong reasons to be um finding this person endearing to you and but then you know the other side of it is that there is something to be said about both of their desire for connection and it coming mm -hmm. out of a place of loneliness and they just want to be seen and to be loved and that is such a human human desire so yes conflicted <laughs> conflicted indeed yeah, I, I feel like that's that's an accurate reaction to this. <laughs> you <laughs> but know, you can't bring logic to these things. It's like if we were to watch Okja and be like, well, there is no such thing as a super pig that could be running through the streets of Seoul. So therefore, mm -hmm. you know, to hell with this whole movie. But, you know, you just have to suspend a little bit of the disbelief. But isn't it interesting how we were so willing to suspend disbelief in Okja, mm. but we struggle to do so in a movie like Safety Not Guaranteed? Mm -hmm. Not sure why that is, but it's interesting that we're we have that internal dilemma. Mm. Yeah, I wonder if part of it is because 
Okja was just so over the top that we were forced to confront that Mm -hmm. very early on. Like you're either along for this ride or you're going to hate the next two hours because (laughs) we are on this ride and you can't get off. Whereas I feel like even with Darius's character, she kept going back and forth on maybe he is up to something, but then also being like, but you know, she went into this whole story that they were writing together with Jeff and Arnaud that here's his whack job that is trying to travel back in time. And then for her to all of a sudden believe that that is possible and just because, you know, Kenneth had a bunch of intricate looking drawings hung around his entire shed. <laughs> yeah. She's like, okay, but Einstein wasn't believed, so maybe he's onto something and then runs off into the sunset with him. You know, I think that that character change um, – it's just not a journey that the normal average viewer would would go on in their normal life. So it feels unrealistic that she would. I also, I just, I loved that moment in the shed because they're all skeptical. And they're like, this guy is a nut job. And then they walk into the shed and like an engine is gone. Okay, cool. But there's no sciency anything in here. It's just pictures of random objects that are mm-hmm. not even that intricate. And I was just, I laughed so hard at that moment because I, I, I appreciated that, the, that the, the people who made this were just like, ah, screw it. We're not going to try and make this logical. We're just going to make it look cool. And that was it. That was mm-hmm. enough. That's all they needed was some random drawings. Like, all right, now we're going to believe. And the time travel contraption that they also came up with was also so adorable that you're like, well, okay, you know what? It's fine. Here's like a little fan that's twirling in the back (laughs) and some lasers shoot out some blue light and then they disappear. (laughs) It was so adorable. And... Still, though, like, even though it was so, like, rinky-dinky and you could tell that they had, like, zero budget Mm -hmm. for this film, it was still so magical in that moment. Mm -hmm. Wow, y'all did a lot with with not a lot to work with. Like, that (laughs) that moment for me was so impressive that I was willing to forgive a lot that happened, you know, in the previous hour of the movie. They went to their local auto shop and was like, give me your extra parts and we will do something with it. <laughs> Whereas, yeah, just like, you know, or even like just like a local scrapyard. Yeah. Was like, OK, what can we find? OK, we're just going to throw it all together on this little dinghy. Mm-hmm. It's perfect. But it has to be set on a little boat, a little motorboat. Yeah. Yes. Perfect. Very important detail. <laughs> I honestly, I think the moment where she sees him they lock eyes across the little you know like two feet two foot uh block of wood that she has to walk across (laughs) yeah and the the camera's like panning over the side as she's slowly walking towards him and you see Kenneth with his arms stretched out and it's that classic (laughs) moment like at the end of a adventure film or whatnot where they finally are reunited and like he's offering his hand for this adventure and it's, and you you think you you just see that in the shot they're on a random lake, on a yeah, jank looking motorboat. There's like <laughs> two dudes in a, in suits and trench coats and like sunglasses, and then Jeff and Arno, and it's the most ridiculous thing, and it's it's adorable. Yeah. Yep. It it, it shouldn't work, but it does. but it does in a weird way. Mm-hmm. I I don't know how they were able to pull it off because it it shouldn't have worked, but somehow it did. Yes, agreed, agreed. And I I wish that the rest of the film tapped into that same type of uh, <laughs> we're we're gonna be a little bit ridiculous, but it's gonna be really adorable. So like lean into it. Like I feel like the yeah the setup of that moment was a different tone than that final ending scene. They felt like like two different moods and two different types of humor as well, you know? Mm, yeah, that's a really good point. It did have a really big shift. Hmm. Yeah. 
like I, I, so while we're on the topic of the ending, I didn't expect that they were going to lean into a level of um, like magical realism and like really lean into, hey, this is, we're going to go in the direction where they actually disappear. Um, mm-hmm. Which I don't, I'm trying to think about like if they had leaned into that more, if that would have changed the like, the the sweetness of that final scene like that maybe is almost more powerful because it was so surprising but it definitely came out of left field for me I expected that they were going to end the film with them not not having successfully time traveled but then realizing that they you know I don't know have this special bond together and that they're going to build their future now and both help each other move on from their past, you know, hurt relationships and and grief. And then that that was going to be that like satisfaction that we get at the end. Um, So it was interesting to me that they went the completely, completely opposite direction of that. I didn't expect that. And that's a good point because they actually, the the original ending of the film was that the the machine didn't work. Mm. And so after it had already been filmed and accepted by Sundance and all of that stuff, they recalled the cast and they reshot the ending after. Interesting. Did did it, so is there anything around like what they're thinking behind changing the direction of the ending? It just, this is all according to IMDb. So Mm. I don't know how, how accurate it is, but the director just felt like the, the first ending didn't feel right. And so they filmed this one. Fascinating. Hmm. Yeah. I think it, it would have just been a different movie if they had gone the direction, Mm -hmm. the original direction that they did versus the, the fantastical ending. Um, one of the things that I, I think doesn't work well with this this fantastical ending that they they pursued is the supporting storyline of Jeff going back mm-hmm. to Ocean View to like find his old flame and um, kind of revisit this old relationship that he has. And the whole resolution of that storyline is that you know you can't really go back home and you can't revisit the past in the same way it will always be different um and so i feel like it it's there's a little bit of tension there because that concept of you can't go back in time but you can figure out how you're going to build in the present is you know a little bit of a contradiction with this um fantastical ending that Darius and Kenneth have well i just kept thinking like Okay, so this Darius is going to go back in time to stop her mom from getting murdered. Again, me trying to build logic into time travel. But (laughs) if she stops her mom from being murdered, then she will not become the person that she becomes. So then she wouldn't meet Kenneth to to time travel to stop her mom from ending. And then I just get myself into this weird loop of... What the hell is going to happen? But again, we can't apply logic mm. to this particular mm. movie because time travel movies just, they don't make sense most of the time. And it's, it's fine. We just go with it. <laughs> nope. The logic's the, the logic doesn't work out. I feel like Marvel did a, a somewhat of a decent job to try and figure out some of the logic of this. Um, where you know you can't be you can't be seen, and you know what happens if the object gets uh, the, what's that orb that they're looking that Doctor Strange looking for? Ah, uh, let's not go. Let's not open up that can of worms. Anyway, okay. yes, because I don't remember. <laughs> um, so many films have tried to tackle the logic of time travel. I think Harry Potter also tries to do that too, but. I yeah, I think what's interesting hard. what's interesting about this version of the time travel story is it really s- begins to unpack like the reasons why people might want to go back in time and it's not just for this like you know scientific success or um discovery that they want to be made like the source for Darius and for Kenneth 
both of their desires to go back in time is to revisit a a past moment that has l- caused a lot of pain for both of them and kind of them wanting to redo that or prevent that. And so their time travel motivation comes from a source of pain and a source of grief, which I think is an interesting dimension. Yeah, I I loved that. And I loved that Darius's reason was to go back and try to save her mom and just like the regret that she had of like, Mm -hmm. I needed chocolate milk and my mom stopped to get it. And then she died because of that. And I wasn't even nice to her. Like that was so, I don't know. I think that that was such a brilliant reason for her to want to go back. Mm-hmm. And so like to hear this and like Kenneth is like building up, like, I'm not going to tell you my reason. So it's like, okay, this is going to be good. It's going to be a really, really great reason why he's going to go back. Like I'm ready for it. And he's like, well, this girl that was nice to me died. Mm-hmm. It's like, wait, like that, that was it. Like, like she's going back to save her mom and you're going back because this girl that kind of was nice to you, uh, had a dude like ram his car into your living. Like that's your, (laughs) okay. Like I I just, I expected more. I wanted more from Kenneth, especially because like he's Mm. so interesting and such a fascinating character. I wanted more depth there, but I guess, I guess it was important to him, but it just, it didn't seem like all that big of a deal to me. (laughs) I wonder if, if, part of that kind of builds into this other theme that the film I think explores quite well, which is like both of those characters, both Darius and Kenneth were lonely. Like they were outcasts. They were disconnected from the world. And so like, I guess for Kenneth that, that girl who was like maybe one of the few people that really saw him and what he felt like really appreciated him um, was was so powerful and so impactful in his life that he that was worth worth it to him which I think speaks to maybe some of the just loneliness and um just utter lack of like human warmth and connection that he must have felt beforehand to make that so worth it Mm, that's a good point I think I was just (laughs) you know putting on my 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 girl filter Cause like (laughs) you can be nice to somebody and have no attachment to them. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it's like, yeah, even before the big reveal of like, Oh, Belinda is still alive and they weren't even dating in my head. I'm going, she wasn't dating you. She was just trying to be nice to you. Mm. But okay. I I hadn't like really thought about just how lonely and and isolated Kenneth was. Mm. I was just thinking this, this doesn't make sense. <laughs> but it goes back to why he's a total oddball whack job that uh, this this whole love story doesn't work because he's completely delusional in thinking that yeah. that was his girlfriend and that they had a full-on relationship when in reality it was just some one person that was really nice to him and saw him. And he kind of spun that in his head to this whole big whole other big thing that it wasn't actually happening oh kenneth yeah yeah but i i was uh fascinated and impressed at the way that the film was able to make him so endearing to us over the course of the film it Mm -hmm. reminded me a little bit of joker and the way that Mm -hmm. joker was able to build empathy in us as the viewer for this outcast character that objectively is not someone that we typically support, are here for, want to be rooting for. And yet um, Joker somehow made Arthur Fleck really sympathetic to us. And you know, that's a very, very dramatic and extreme example, but in its small ways, the film was able to change our perspectives a little bit on Kenneth and see those sweet little tender moments that he has um, 
And I think that that was pretty fascinating to me, the way that they could change our view on him. Yeah, and they made him so human, you know, like that um, that that moment when they're in the the diner and Kenneth's fake ear falls off and like he completely freaks out. Mm-hmm. Um, it was such a, a a true human reaction, you know, like when one of our insecurities is triggered, we can go from one to ten and just freak out, and like it takes us time to calm down and and be reassured that like no, we are okay. This is safe. We're fine. But yeah, I think that moment, because like at first, like when you first see him messing with his ear, it's like, oh, what is wrong with you, buddy? Uh, (laughs) But that moment, I know for me, built a lot of empathy of like, oh, crap, Mm -hmm. we all do that in some way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. And then also just his grit and persistence and tenacity on like going after what he believes in is inherently a trait that we appreciate and love in mm-hmm. in the people around us like we love people that are passionate and yeah he's passionate about time traveling you could call that crazy but you know he's excited about it and he's pursuing it and he's got a fire for it and so I think that also made him <laughs> really endearing to to me as well yeah, what a what a quirky little character they built <laughs> yeah. here. Yeah, exactly. Especially a character too that from the beginning of the film is introduced to us as this total psycho. Mm-hmm. Um, even when Darius is like looking for him at the very beginning, and she goes to the, the grocery store that he works at, and you see other people's mm-hmm. judgments of him. Um, you know, like, oh, he's a little unstable. Like, he's kind of crazy. Like, I don't, why are you looking for him? Um, we see yeah. how he's seen by the outside world. And then we get the time over the course of the next, like, hour and a half to really spend time with him and our view changes, which I think is, you know, pr- a pretty powerful uh, effect that films can have, which is to get us to empathize with characters that we too probably judge in our normal lives quickly because we just haven't spent that much time with them. Yeah. And the fact that they were able to do that so quickly, like this movie Mm -hmm. is only an hour and a half long. And so to get us from, Oh my gosh, this guy is crazy to like, "Eh, he might be crazy, but at least he has a good heart. Mm -hmm. Um, That was a lot of, a lot of miles to cover in not a long period of time. So well done guys. Yeah. Yeah, totally. So Darius and Kenneth have their little something something. And, (laughs) you know, at the very beginning of the movie, I actually expected that they would set up uh, Darius with Jeff. Um, This was before Mm. we really even meet Kenneth as a character. But I thought that that would potentially be the path that they go down. Like, here's this kind of obnoxious asshole dude. And here's this, like, kind of brooding girl and they're slowly going to reveal their truer selves to each other as they go on this crazy journey and have an adventure together. Brings her out of her shell and, you know, he, you know, reveals his sweeter side. So it was kind of interesting to see, you know, halfway through the film, like, oh, I think we actually are going in a very different direction. Mm-hmm. And they're actually going to set up Darius with Kenneth. Yeah, I think that the the Jeff storyline is... I don't know. It's, again, I feel conflicted about it because on the one hand, parts of it were interesting and have a lot to say about like relationships and how like men and women interact with each other. But at the same time, like it really didn't do a whole lot for the story itself. Mm -hmm. So I found myself wondering like, could that time have been better (laughs) spent elsewhere? You know, mm-hmm. could we have learned a little bit more maybe about Darius or, or you know, stripped out the Jeff stuff so that when, when the conflict happens and the, the reveal about um, Belinda happens, then there could be time for a resolution. You know, like I, I was mm-hmm. just trying to wonder, could, could this have been used more efficiently <laughs> in the yeah. film instead of a whole like sideline about Jeff? I don't know. 
I love the way your brain is thinking about this. You're like, how do we use this time for to get more impact out of it? Because I I don't know. I feel like they were maybe trying to go for that storyline of like you can't really go back in time truly, and like things things will change, and you the whole concept of like you can't go home and have it revisited exactly the same way you left it. Um, Mm -hmm. But you're right. They didn't. Even after the the argument between Jeff and I don't remember Liz. her name is Liz, yeah, uh, they don't really kind of wrap that up um, and close mm-hmm. those dot those eyes or cross those T's. We we don't get a resolution on that at all. Um, you just see that blow up happen, and and then that's it. And then we the rest of the focus is on. Darius and Kenneth and whatnot. So I don't I don't really know what it was they were really trying to say because we didn't really get the full ending. Yeah, and I didn't I didn't mind that like Jeff and Liz never had another moment together, but it would have been nice to see and I, and I guess maybe that is what we see when he when he takes Arno and tries to hook Arno up. Um, uh, yeah. But that, that felt like such a, a, a reaction from hurt. It didn't feel like, like a character thing, you know, like it's just an immediate reaction to what he perceived as rejection. Um, instead of him actually taking the time to reflect and either grow or stay the same. So that was, Yeah. Which, yeah, which is, it's an, uh, it's an interesting uh, character moment for him. Like here is this guy who comes off as this big asshole and yet the moment, the, f- the very first moment he experiences re- rejection, he kind of lashes out in this uh, destructive way and uh, which, is, which is fine. But I think we don't spend enough time with that character and that character isn't developed enough for that to be weighty in any way. Um, if you want, they could have explored that more fully, but you know, the most, most of the time the story line and the momentum isn't really built around Jeff. He's, he's really playing a supporting character. So, um, that we didn't really need to unpack all of that. Yeah. And I, I think what I also struggled with is that I liked Liz. Eh, she was probably one of my favorite characters of the film. And so I, I loved that moment where where Jeff is like, hey, come back with me to the city. And she says, no. Yes. Like, that's so good. I'm like, yes, girl, you have agency. You have your life here. And you're not going to get screwed over by a guy again. Like, it was such like a good moment. Um, so that I, because I liked her so much, I didn't really care about Jeff and whether he was growing or not, because she was just a better character, I -hmm. think, than he was, or she was at least a more interesting character than he was. So, but you're right. He, it was weird the way that this was structured, because he was kind of playing like a, a, um, you know, a, a, a sidekick role. And then like his sidekick was Arno and he had this whole extra storyline over here that did nothing to the larger plot with Kenneth and Darius. So it was just, again, like, I don't feel like they used that character mm-hmm. well in really helping us, um, see the main point of the film or, or helping Kenneth and Darius, you know, inch towards the end of the, the the plot yeah I agree I feel like typically when there are these two like the main plot and the supporting plot we expect them to come together at the end maybe not even like tangibly come together but the the, thematically they come together at the end in some way where they they complement each other or they contradict each other or whatever it is but they are like in conversation with each other and we I don't feel like that happened at the end of this movie. Like this journey that Jeff goes on is unclear how it relates to this journey that Kenneth and Darius go on. And I kind of make a little bit of a connection there to see if maybe like um, 
Jeff's whole storyline of like, you can't go back in time somehow connects to Darius and Kenneth exploring time travel, but that feels like a pretty large dotted line between the two um, as far as connecting them. So maybe if Darius had paid attention to Jeff and his heartbreak, then she would know that (laughs) time traveling is very problematic. But she didn't because she was off on her own little time travel romance situation. So she can't learn from his mistakes. Mm -hmm. Man. Yeah. Too bad. Yeah. And I think also even the moments when those those storylines crisscross or at least like when the characters are together again. So like in the Mm -hmm. hotel room where Darius is talking with – Jeff and Arno there's no like cross mingling of ideas or Mm. growth along their journey um the the, those conversations also don't feel like they could they were most efficiently used or most impactful um they 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 felt a little bit like filler so those could have been like critical moments for them to I don't know cross pollinate some of the themes that we're getting on both both sides yeah yeah, that's very true. Mm. It's an interesting um, unpacking f- from an analytical perspective about how these moments and storylines work and fit together. Like it's it's ve- it's not fluffy at all. It's very very tactical, and uh, I love it. <laughs> oh yeah, because everything serves a purpose you mm-hmm. know like if it's not pointing you back to the the main point of the film or it's not pushing the action forward then what's the point you know it's just yep. filler yep yeah exactly um okay so one of the things that I didn't love about this film and I don't know if it's because I was being overly sensitive about it but the way that Arnaud is portrayed so stereotypically. And then some of the comments that Jeff makes in the film felt um, uncomfortable for me to watch. And I know that a lot of times humor is pushing the boundaries of what is okay and what is not okay. But there, he has a line, for example, there's many of these, but he has a line at the very beginning of the film where he's, They're in the Seattle Magazine office and um, he's choosing the interns to take him along with his journey. And he says, give me the lesbian and the Indian and we've got a story. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I just felt like that type of behavior is, is we already see that in real life where people are just making snap judgments and pinning identities on people. And I feel like it was not okay for him to do that. And I didn't appreciate that they included that in the movie. I don't know if it was meant to be like a humorous moment and they're, they're intentionally pushing the barriers, but I felt like it wasn't very tasteful. Yeah. Yeah. I felt the same way. And I, I was wondering like, are they just trying to make it clear that Jeff is an asshole? Cause mm. that's 1000% how I read that. I didn't read him honestly as funny. I, I just thought that he was a complete jerk Um, but I, I did wonder, so this was made, what, it came out in 2012. Yeah. Like that feels like an eternity ago. So I really wonder, you know, back in 2012, how were like, what was going on in movies in, in 2012? What was going Mm -hmm. on culturally in 2012? Because I feel like a lot of the, um, the, the strides that we have made to be, to be more inclusive for our language, to be, you know, more honoring of each other. Like that happened maybe more recently. Yeah. I also could be wrong. My concept of time is all jacked up and I'm not <laughs> even a time traveler. Um, so, so I did wonder if it was just the, the time that it was made, um, where maybe some people weren't as aware of how simple simple phrases that they use can be so damaging to other people. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I think that's probably definitely the case. I mean, eight, a lot happens in eight years, and I feel mm-hmm. like this this conversation around inclusivity and um, and being just aware <laughs> has continued to accelerate, if anything. Um, mm-hmm. So I can imagine that in 2012, it probably was a different landscape. And so it's it's interesting to see how maybe in 2012 that joke was acceptable and and funny. Uh, but it definitely didn't age well in our 2020 mm-hmm. lens. And I don't know, it's an interesting thing for films that are being created even today to think about how perceptions and conversations about these things may evolve and change over time as they create the current films today. Yeah, I feel like the whole Jeff character didn't age well, you know? <laughs> like, I yeah. feel like the... The other ones are fine. You know, the the Kenneth and Darius thing worked. Arno, he's just so sweet and awkward that, mm-hmm. yes, come on for the ride, buddy. But I feel like Jeff really, yeah, he he did not age well at all. Yeah. Um, he, I, I would imagine that he, I view him much more as a villain now than I would have back in 2012, probably. Mm. I probably would have thought he was just a jerk back in 2012 but now I'm like oh buddy you have some serious issues that need to be worked out mm-hmm. yeah yeah completely agree yeah it's tricky it's mm-hmm. very tricky it reminds me of our conversation um for the Guy Ritchie film I think The Gentleman is the name of it? Mm, yeah. I can just envision the, you know, the, the movie poster. Yeah, with the the whiskey glass. But that was again a rough a rough thing that I think was intended to be funny, but they pushed that barrier too far and I think they crossed the boundary into it, it not being okay. Um and I think the same thing happened mm-hmm. for this one. Yeah, yeah. I think nowadays if if male writers are trying to write a movie that's funny to just one specific brand of white man. Like it's just, it's not going to work. <laughs> We're more diverse now. Like, mm-hmm. sorry, have yep. to be a little bit more, um, I don't know, intentional with your language. Yep. Yep. Agreed. I think this kind of, um, has to do with my thoughts on Arno as a character as well, which is that he he was a pretty weakly written character. There wasn't a a major role that he plays in almost any of the scenes, like not one, mm-hmm. uh, which felt like could have been done in a more effective way. If you're going to include this character at least give him something so that he's not just the butt of many of the jokes that happen throughout the film um, or just, you know, there to be awkward. And mm-hmm. I think that's okay if he's there to be awkward because there's a lot of funny, sweet moments that can happen. But to give him nothing else beyond that feels like it wasn't the the most effective way to write that character. And it feels a little unfair to that character as well. Yeah. I was wondering like, what was the point of Arno? Like, yeah. why was he even in this? Could this movie have been just as effective if yeah. it was just Darius and Jeff who went on this adventure? Why did we need Arno to come along? Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know. I, 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 I think that you could have taken him out of it and you wouldn't have lost anything. <laughs> yeah. And I, I loved him. He was so sweet and so awkward. And mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm here for that. But you're right. He didn't do anything to push the story forward or the plot forward. He didn't have any major accomplishments. You know, he was just there. Yeah. And not only did he ha- have almost zero agency at all as a character and zero effect on the plot. But even in the group dynamics, he didn't play a strong uh, presence or a role in the the banter or the dialogue. And I feel like that is definitely a missed opportunity as well. Um, you know, part of the 
fun of going along this group journey and adventure together is that every character is contributing to this group dynamic. I'm thinking of the the five bloods where every single mm-hmm. one of those characters was contributing some dimension to this like friend group dynamic. And in this journey that Arnaud, Darius, and Jeff go on, he doesn't also contribute bit much of a presence at all either. No, it it really was a a missed opportunity, you know. They yeah. could have either could have been so fun. Enhanced that character and made him, you know, yeah, like a source of whimsy, a source of fun, or omitted that character and really added meat to some of these other characters whose storylines were a little bit more lacking. Mm-hmm. Like even just giving him a couple of really funny lines, and yeah. um, you know, maybe he's asking like a dumb questions but it you know it, it contributes something he he didn't have very much of that there were little glimmers of it i will say but on the whole he's just there yeah gosh arno could have been just like the whole hero of the story is not great yeah <laughs> yeah we could just we could just retool this and arno could be the protagonist and it would be awesome <laughs> Yeah, like giving him a moment of discovery that is then the critical piece for them finding yeah. Kenneth at the end or some, something. They gave him not a crumb, but. <laughs> not a crumb. Not, not even, one. Not even a crumb. <laughs> All right. Um, other things that we haven't touched on yet for safety not guaranteed. I did just want to give a shout out to the the continuity errors in this particular film. Oh, uh, <laughs> I love finding these. Okay. I, I am not observant when it comes to these, so I would love. Oh my gosh. I was mm-hmm. so bothered during the, the mm-hmm. campfire scene between Kenneth and Darius because her, her blanket jacket situation just kept on changing. Um, <laughs> and I don't know how they didn't catch that. Because, like, she starts out with a blanket draped around her, and then her jacket is on her her lap. And then, like, in the the next moment, when Kenneth is giving her, like, the log thing to stick in her little sweater pouch, then her jacket is around her shoulders, and he has the blanket on his shoulders. And then (laughs) as they, like, intercut all the montage moments, her, the blanket jacket keeps switching where it is and oh I was just I was so annoyed I was like y'all just pick one or or show us like she was cold so he gave her the blanket and then it would explain the whole thing but they didn't and so it was just a mess <laughs> so funny see the whole time in that scene I'm focused on oh my god this is they're really gonna do this they're gonna make them full-on make out okay Jeez. See, it's just another example of me being focused on yes. what you're not supposed to be focused on. But it makes it's funny to me, so I love it. Your brain works in different ways, and it's the best. Yeah. <laughs> it's weird. I, yep. It was just, it was all that I could focus on. Oh, it was her jacket. I'm sure that films have some kind of a continuity error reviewer. And I feel like this is your calling. You just get Honestly, to watch like, films all day. Even, <laughs> even when I was a kid, I was, I was finding continuity errors as a child. And I was just like, oh my gosh, this should be my job. <laughs> For real. <laughs> yes. Yeah. This is your calling. Well, yeah. I'll, I'll do some research on that. See what I can, see what I can find. <laughs> The interesting thing is like, okay, so say they were to have found that, what, what, what are they going to do about it? I mean, they're not going to go back and reshoot it. There's maybe some way to cover up a little bit of that through editing um, or post-production. But at that point, when the moment they catch it, it's almost too late. They need to catch it when it's being shot. Well, and I want to say that they do do stuff like that when it's being shot because you have to. Yeah. But 
also in for this particular scenario it wasn't like you know like a a cup was like in the wrong place and like you have to move it back but like her her wardrobe situation was changing so they must have had multiple shots um doing it different ways and so I think that that was just purely an editing issue where Mm -hmm. they didn't yeah they didn't pick the right the right order or the right sequence of all of those Mm. but so I think it has to be both while you're shooting it and then during the editing process as well yeah coming from a person who has no idea so I could be completely wrong (laughs) well I think that there definitely is someone on set that's catching all of that stuff um but there should be it's almost like if you want to really make sure that it's fixed make sure that it's caught effectively earlier in the cycle versus later because there's only there may be only so Mm -hmm. much you can do by the time it gets to editing I don't know speculation yeah I like it though I think we're right (laughs) I love that we 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 we're like a self-fulfilling validation cycle this is great (laughs) this is good Uh, yeah um all right anything else did we hit it all? I think we did. I think we did too. All right. Well, this is our review of Safety Not Guaranteed, uh, which came out in 2012. You can find it on Netflix. And uh, it's definitely a whimsical little ride. So um, if you need a little break from the weight of the world or you need a you're looking for something lighthearted and not heavy. This is definitely squarely in that category. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Strategic Whimsy Experiment. This podcast is fueled by our passion for stories and connection and is something we continue to do each week solely because we love it. This is our Strategic Whimsy Experiment and we encourage you to find a way to infuse whimsy into your day. Subscribe to this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you tune into your favorite shows. Drop us a review letting us know you enjoyed today's episode. And you can connect with us on Instagram at Strategic Whimsy Experiment, on Twitter at Strategic Whimsy, or you can email us at Strategic Whimsy Experiment at gmail.com. We hope you have an amazing week, and we will be back next week, and we'll, we'll see you very soon.